What's up, fandom? My name is Josh, and today I am joined by a very special guest. We have joining us today, we have Lex Lang. What's up? Nice uh, to see everybody. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. And Lex, uh, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, I know it's been uh, a bit crazy. Uh, I think pretty much everybody's schedule, it's been like a, just a crazy one these last, uh, really this last like month and I guess two years. I guess we can say that. I know, it's been nuts. Um, so Lex, uh, you are a, a voice actor, director, um, from what I've heard from friend of the show, Jeff Nimoy, uh, just all around great guy. Um, so uh, if you wouldn't mind, just for our uh, listeners who may not know a little bit about you, uh, can you uh, just give us a, a brief rundown of who is Lex Lang? Who is Lex Lang? Well, um, let's see. Uh, I'm an actor, first and foremost. I'm an actor. I've been acting my entire life. Um, I've been voice acting for the last... 20 this is my 27th year doing voice acting which seems unbelievable to me actually it's it's crazy to think it's so much time has flown by um i do video game acting i do animation acting i do anime acting i do uh creatures and ghouls and demons and things in movies i do sound alikes for different celebrities uh, when they can't make it in i come in and i fix the little things that need fixing in movies. Um, I do a little bit of on camera. Um, I was in the movie called Famish, which is, uh, you spoke of Jeff Nimoy, who's yeah, also- we're, we're contractually obligated to, whenever we talk about Famish, we must include Jeff Nimoy and Famish in at least 70% <laughs> of all of our episodes. So. And Jeff is an awesome dude. I mean, I don't know how long you got a chance to talk to him or how long you've known him, but he's just one of those guys that you love from the beginning. You know, he's got a great sense of humor. And he's super talented, super creative. And even in the process of doing the movie with him, he was just really open to taking in feedback, anything to improve the quality of the production he was willing to listen to. He's not a rigid guy, very, very fun. And, uh, you know, I love him dearly. He's a really good guy. Um, and let's see, uh, back to me now. <laughs> no, um, <laughs> our, our five minutes of Jeff is over. So yeah, we've, 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 we've uh, done our uh, obligations. We've, we've met our uh, contractual obligations on the mentioning of Jeff. Um, but no, he, he really is a great guy. Um, and I also do music. Um, I've been playing music for decades and um, I love playing guitar and drums and keyboards. And the, the, as you can see, they're all around me here, my bass and my drums and my keyboard station and but my main love is the guitar that's what i play the most of is the guitar um what else about me i'm married uh to a, another voice actress her name is sandy fox been with her i've been with her for 25 years together and we've been married for about 18 i think um what else i have three dogs that are really awesome and a cat um, I'm also a meditation teacher. I studied with a guy named Deepak Chopra, who is a pretty well-known meditation kind of guru. He talks about consciousness and that sort of thing. And um, so I became a meditation instructor for the Chopra Center University, which is cool. And um, what else? Uh, I think that's it. Yeah, I love playing poker as a hobby. And um yeah. Like Hold'em or, or like five card draw? Like what's well, your... I, I like Texas Hold'em. I like to play 
primarily Texas Hold'em, but when I end up getting together with friends, we play what we call the silly games, and we all just call our own game. Sometimes it's five-card draw, sometimes it's stud, sometimes it's Hold'em. And even, okay. even odd games that aren't even part of like normal poker we call as well. So that's a lot of fun. That's awesome. Um, so let's let's kind of uh, deep dive. Like, what was Young Lex like? Like back in like growing up, what was uh, what was Little Lex uh, like? <laughs> Little Lex, he's so cute. <laughs> um, I li- I grew up. Uh, I was born in Hollywood, California, but my parents moved away when I was five with me they took me along of course well, to convenient that they took you with it i was if they just moved i'd have been on the corner going what the hell you know but um they took me with them and we moved to scottsdale arizona which was just kind of a budding town it wasn't like what it is now but um i grew up out there and if you live in scottsdale or in arizona you need to have a pool because it's like in the 100 teens degrees all the time um and so uh little lex did a lot of swimming a, a lot of fun with his friends during the summer. We would play games. Um, just to spend our time, we would make up little skits and do little audio recordings and just like, you know, have fun with, you know, playing around. We didn't know it was acting then. We were just playing and having fun, you know, make believe. Um, I played some instruments as a kid in grammar school. I played my, my dad thought it would be a great idea to have me play the violin and so like i don't know but when you're seven years old and you're carrying a little violin case to school it's not a big popularity thing it's like you know it, it was just the worst instrument to possibly be playing uh, if you were carrying around that violin case in like new york or boston i mean that'd be a little bit more thing you'd be like hey my name is like you know it would have a trigger on that case <laughs> yeah, too carrying what's he carrying like hey, he's good he's good let him in you know um but uh i did a, i did that and then i played the french horn after that i i gave up the violin i was like this ain't my thing and my dad said well try french horn you know because my father was born in paris so he thought french something french french horn so i was like okay but it, you know it has three keys on it and you can play scales and things but it wasn't like a fun thing to play it was like you know it's like very boring um french horn it sounds beautiful wasn't my gig so i started playing piano around the age of 14 and um that was right around the same time as i went to high school and in high school what lex was about was drama department everything drama department so if it was a stage play i wanted to be in it if it was an improv class i wanted to be in it if it was drama class i was in it and so that that was like really the basis of my entire life was acting and doing stage plays from like 14 to 18. And then in college, I was also really into theater. That was my major's theater. And I was in the Arizona Theater Company as an equity player, one of the youngest members that had ever been. And um, I started doing stand up comedy. And um it was strange because through the course of a bunch of events that happened, I found myself like needing to make a big change. And right at that same exact moment that that was happening, I met a person who was very into music and he was getting ready to move to Los Angeles to go to the Musicians Institute, which is called MI. It's in Hollywood, California. It's a, it's a place where guitar players learn and bass players, keyboard players, vocalists and producers, like a specialty vocational school. And so 
this person I met who was into music was going to that school. And he said, look, man, there's nothing for you out here in Arizona anymore. You know, you're doing these plays and everything, but you really should make a move to the next level. Come out to LA, go to music school, start doing on camera stuff. You really need to make this move. And so I auditioned for the school. I got a grant because it was, you know, pretty expensive. It still is, but it was pretty expensive back then as well. I got a grant. I went out to the Musicians Institute and I became uh, their spokesman for the school pretty quickly. Uh, so anytime someone would reach out to learn more about the school, they'd send a DVD to their house and I'd be the guy at the DVD saying, hey, Hollywood, California, the entertainment capital of the world. And here's the Musicians Institute. And I'd take them through a tour of the whole thing. And um, so that kind of covered what I was like as a kid, basically. I, I think I got into adulthood there as part of that answer as well. But yeah, well, the kid me was always having fun, always swimming, loved the outdoors, loved to do stunt fighting and do improv games with my friends and things like that. Um, so when did you kind of like realize that um, acting was what you wanted to do with uh, do with your life? Like, was it after you moved back to L.A.? Like, did you know that you wanted to do this in college? It was right when I got to high school, Okay, like right in my, after my first stage production, which I wasn't the lead character in. I was just like in the chorus, basically in the background. But I, I got it was so exciting. And the the response from the audience was so exhilarating that I was like, whoa, this is this is something that's got some energy to it, some life to it. And I want to pursue this. And so following that first play and all the subsequent subsequent plays thereafter i was the lead in all of them and so i really had a beautiful opportunity to learn how to stage act and i had great teachers and and the people that came before me were great teachers as well to me i would watch and just absorb and so by the time i got to college i just wanted to do anything performing like didn't matter i was doing stand-up comedy i was doing music i was doing stage acting and um you know, I really had the bug by the time I was 17, 18 years old. It was like, there is no other option that, that I was just single focused entertainment period. That's what I'm doing. I don't care if, if you believe in me or not. I believe in me. I'm going for it. And that's, that's what I did. And that's why when moving to Los Angeles, I thought, okay, this is a good next step. You know, it was good next step. Um, so, so what were like your influences, like with your, with your acting and, and comedy even like, were there, uh, any like actors or films or anything that you, you know, really like kind of hooked you in or some comedians that you kind of gravitated towards? Um, yeah, you know, Saturday night live, like that original cast of, you know, Chevy Chase, Dan Aykroyd, you know, Bill Murray, he came in a little bit later. Yeah. The original not not ready for primetime players that were there like that was a big influence on like just comedy and laughter and you know doing skits that are funny other things that were a huge influence was monty python the whole team you know john cleese and all the guys you know the whole flying circus mm -hmm. i would watch that you know <laughs> Like I said, I've been doing this 20 something years. And before it was way before that, that these guys were, were the influence. And you know, back then we didn't have 195 channels on cable and a zillion streaming things. We had three channels. And if you were lucky, you could like dial in a UHF or whatever. And that's where Monty Python was on. So like, you'd be like, okay, Sunday night, seven o'clock, I got to dial this in just right to get like a blurry version of Monty Python. <laughs> and uh, we would record the show on a cassette tape and then 
uh, write it out. And my friends and I would like do all the Monty Python skits. It wasn't like now you're like, oh, hey, let's go get the transcript for Monty Python's uh, song online. And boom, you got it in one second. We had to work for it. We had to like record it, transcribe it, and then perform it. And uh, so those were real big, big influences. Saturday Night Live and Monty Python were huge. Um, favorite uh, favorite Monty Python skit that you that you uh, would act out? Um, we, for some reason, we did uh, looking for an argument. I'd like an argument. Uh, that oh, was the counter and everything. And uh, where's well, the, the guy going into the wrong rooms? The you wrong, know, and then yeah. I could argue for five minutes, and and then it would be you know. Uh, Okay, time's up. No, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Yes, it is. And then it'd be like, oh, you're still doing it. No, I'm not. You know, like, and they'd go back and forth. That's a great one to look up. Um, also from, I think it was uh, the Holy Grail, um, the where the, the guy w- would want to sing each time. John Cleese was getting ready to leave his son. And he was like, but father, I want to sing, you know? And he's like, no, 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 not that. You're not to let him leave the room until I come back. And then they all walk out and he's like, what are you doing? Uh, we're leaving the room. No, you're not to let him leave the room. And then they, they go on back and forth. That's a really funny skit. And we had and done that. John Cleese comes in at the end and, you know, fights everybody. It's like, wait a sec, you're supposed to, we're not supposed to leave until. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Which is really great. So that was a great movie too. That one's like, you know, bring me the holy hand grenade, you know, like all these really funny things and the, the rabbit, it's the vicious, you know, and you know, that was a, that was a great movie. That and the life of Brian were like two films that I could just watch over and over and just laugh every time. Life of Brian, just, it's a very underrated one. Like everyone goes for Holy Grail and I'm like, yeah, but life of Brian, like that's got some really good comedy in it. Like, but I don't know. It feels like it just kind of gets overlooked. Yeah, no, not by me. I think that that was one of the best, you know, those are my two favorites. Obviously meaning of life has like funny bits in it, like Mr. Creosole and, and, you know, like throwing up on everybody. And, and then like when the Grim Reaper comes to dinner and they're all like, oh, is it, we're dead, you know, like, and, uh, you know, I don't, I don't recall verbatim all those scripts, but uh, those were some of those influential uh, scenes that just like struck a note of humor. Uh, Meaning of Life, is that the one where John Cleese makes like an invisible salad? Does he do that one in that one? Or is that a or is that a skit? Like he's just making a salad. He's like, you put the croutons, you know, a little bit of fresh pepper. And then he's like, and that's how you make the salad. Cause like I think somebody asked, like, like, how is it prepared? And like he's just like goes into like making an invisible salad. I don't know where which program that's from. I don't recall. I, I remember that him doing it. You know, it's all mime and he's doing it and he's yeah. mixing and everything, but I I don't know what that's from. Ah, it's it's good stuff like that like that type of stuff like that little fun little like mimey like it that's that's good like that's what uh like some of the stuff that i learned when i was doing uh my acting classes and everything was you know different stuff like that um what was what was the landscape like in la in uh, what the mid 90s What's 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 that landscape look like as a as a young actor going uh, from Scottsdale to California? Um, well, I came out in 88 is when I first came out to go to the, the Musicians Institute. Yeah, Institute. Um, and that was so immersive that I really didn't even like come up for air for two years. I, I literally just like dove into the curriculum so hard that it was like I, I don't really know or care about anything else. Um, 
as far as being an actor back then, you know, you would need an agent, sometimes a manager, you'd have to get headshots. We didn't have cell phones. Everybody didn't have a cell phone on them. So you'd have to get a pager. And when you had an opportunity to audition, you'd have to go and either get the sides faxed to you, or you'd have to go to the agent's office and pick up the copies of the actual sides. There wasn't like any email transmissions. There was no email. It was just, it didn't exist yet. Um, and it was very competitive. It was very who you know. It was very, um, you know, if you have the right agent, you'll get the right opportunity. But getting the right agent was extremely difficult. Um, there was a lot of clicks uh, going on. Um, I personally got my SAG card through the Musicians Institute, uh, a film called Rich Girl with Jill Sholene and um, uh, who's the other couple of bigger actors in that um, Don Michael Paul and Paul Gleason and uh, Sean Kanan. These are some pretty well-known actors. You'd see, you'd recognize them if you looked at, looked them up. Um, they were in this film and um, the film was about a rich girl that basically, you know, left daddy's care and went to work at like a nine to five job and fell in love with a, a lead singer of a rock band. And so I was hired to, because I was the spokesman for the Musicians Institute, they brought me in to show these actors how to look like they could play the guitar, do windmills and jump off the amps and things like that. Like the, like the musical consultant. Exactly. That's exactly what I was. I was brought in to consult and to show them like, this is how you look like you know how to play the guitar because none of them did. They all looked awkward. They like couldn't even strum the guitar. And while I was doing that, the director said, would you happen to be an actor by chance? And I said, I am. And he said, okay, great. And he told the guy I was teaching, he said, you're the keyboard player. Now you're the lead guitar player. Now uh, he didn't cut his scene. So the guy, you know, was a little shocked at first, but he's like, Oh, I'm still doing all my scenes. I'm just playing a keyboard in the background instead of doing the guitar. And it took a lot of weight off his shoulders because he was really, you know, didn't have any experience in that. Um, so that's what I got brought into. I, I was called a Taft Hartley, which is like you have a special skill that the rest of the cast doesn't have. And so we're going to give you your SAG card as part of that. And so I got Taft Hartley as a guitar player to uh, get my SAG card. And I was in the film. And then, you know, um, that's kind of what led me to doing voice acting is because I met the other guy who was in the same band that I was in in the movie, a guy named Bentley Mitchum, who is the grandson of Robert Mitchum, who was a very, very well-known actor. When you said Mitchum, I was like, is that Robert Mitchum? Yeah, yeah, it's his grandson. Really great actor himself. But um, so uh, I became great friends with him. And then we became roommates. And from there, uh, he went to do a film in Vancouver called um, Susie Q. And the woman that was opposite him in the film was a lady named Amy Jo Johnson, who plays the pink Power Ranger, or mm -hmm. played the pink power ranger and so we all became friends and one night we were coming home from dinner and she i was doing a stand-up routine where i was doing impersonations of like jack nicholson and sean connery and some other things and she said man you'd be a great voice actor and i really didn't know what voice actors did because back then we didn't have video game voice actors we didn't have anime yet we didn't have it was really just commercials and a few lines here and there in, in an animation and so I was like, well, yeah, I guess. I mean, can you introduce me to someone? And so she introduced me to the producer at the Power Rangers, a guy named Scott Page Pactor. And uh, we had an interview and he said, hey, you know what, kid? I think you got what it takes. I'm going to give you a shot. So he gave me a shot in the loop group, which is 
all the actors that come in after the scenes have all been edited and put together to, to be the background people, just people in the cafe or the bar or whatever. In Power Rangers, it's a lot of running away from giant monsters kind of thing. So um, I was in that and that was the, that was basically the, the liftoff of voice acting for me was through that connection. So going to the music, going to the movie, getting my SAG card, moving over to uh, roommates with that guy, Bentley, my friend, he's still my dear friend to this day. And then next thing I know, I'm starting in voice acting. That's, that's a, that's a good, and, and so we've had, we've had a lot of, you know, actors on who, um, that that's kind of like getting into voice acting, like back in the day, uh, it's weird to say that, but like, you know, having somebody on the, and like, this is how like they evolved it, how, how they got into, um, everything. And that's kind of the same thing is like, is a lot of like who you knew back in the day and like somebody giving you a chance. Whereas now it's, it's way different because there's so many more people and voice acting is a thing. Whereas I mean, wasn't really that much of a thing. I mean, like you'd have the occasional Disney movie, but I mean, that was usually like big name voice people that would come and do stuff like that. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, you still had your Melblancs and everything like that for, you know, all of those, but uh, yeah, like, so you're watching this, uh, this new realm of like voice acting kind of explode and kind of go through like the the 90s 2000s 10s like where we currently are how how crazy has it been just watching it from somebody getting in on it on pretty much the ground floor and just seeing it to where it is today how how crazy is that it's really amazing quite frankly like i i was blessed because i was on the ground floor of anime like right when it came out i was at like Bang Zoom Studios was one of the big studios that creates a lot of anime. Same with Saban uh, and and um, uh, you know Fox Kids and things. They they brought out a lot of anime stuff. So right when that was coming out, I was still in that pool of actors that was active in in that. And then video games started up with okay, now we can have voice actors in it. And I was right at that ground floor again, like just you know, I call it the escalator because you know we can keep going up different floors on the escalator, but there's always people coming in the bottom that are coming up. You know, like there's a lot of coming up at the same time. Um, when I first started, maybe there was a hundred voice actors that were like known as part of a talent pool that were recognized for being good actors. And that was the main thing. You had to be a good actor back then. Um, it since has evolved and grown and grown and grown. Now there's probably 5,000 in that pool instead of 100. And not everyone has to be a great actor. They can just have the right voice for this one particular character, or they can just have a quirky voice. They don't usually have the resilience and the, the, the long careers as much as a, a person who's an actual actor. But I see all kinds of different things, you know, and with social media, there have literally been like some really big, I'll call them influencers or whatever you want to call them, like massive people following someone who's only been in the business three, four five years, you know, and they've just been really strong in the social media department. Um, so that's a, that's a new thing. When I started, there wasn't, you know, there's something called the beeps. <laughs> the beeps and it just cues the actor when to begin their line, especially in anime and things you'll hear three beeps. And on the fourth imaginary beep is when you'll do your line. Well, when I started and when anime started, there was no digital audio. There was no pro tools. There was no, any of that. It was just a dat tape. So you were always working on tape 
And so, and there were no beeps. It was before the advent of that. And so you would watch a time code and it would be spinning really fast, you know, 24 frames a second, usually sometimes 30, but the most of the time was 24 frames a second. And you'd be watching the seconds flip. And then you'd look at your script and it would say at one minute, 17 seconds and 13 frames, his mouth opens for the beginning of his line. And then it stops at, at uh, 19 seconds and 30 and 18 frames. So, so you'd see all these like cues of time code and you'd have to incorporate being able to like look at the time code do your performance watch the mouth flaps i mean it was really a technical experience where you know it was it was difficult quite frankly and there was not a lot of moving things around sliding expanding things like that so it became uh, much easier to just act as technology caught up see that's interesting because i mean i've only seen like i've i've been to bang zoom uh once um, and I watched uh, Ezra do some uh, uh, I don't remember what he was uh, directing, but like getting to sit in there and watch that and just how they do it now um, and hearing stories of how it used to be done. I'm just I just sit there and I'm like, man, I have no idea how this could have this is like a whole new world of technology yeah. that yeah, like I like the people that did it because like when I, I was born when you moved out and started going and uh, uh, we're, we're working at MI. Uh, so like, that's, that's what I was born. So like, I haven't been like, so you've been like working through this, like explosion of, uh, you know, voice acting and I've just been living it. So like, I, I was there with like, you know, they started introducing like the Fox kids and the kids WB and, and Toonami and all of these things. So getting to, you know, kind of see stuff like that. It's, it's really interesting. Like, cause I'm watching what you guys are putting out. And it's just, it's, you know, fun to see how much everything's expanded. Cause like if, when I was, when I was growing up, like if you wanted anything on like, you know, to rewatch again, you're going to have to like sign up for like that VHS club and right. send you like a VHS with like two episodes on it, like every like six months. And you're like, I got an episode. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, like so, but yeah, so having somebody who's like worked it and like has been through all of this progression of everything, that's that's what I like talking about. Like just because that it's just a completely different world than what we have now. It really is. And um I like it. You know, it's 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 great because it used to be all segregated. It was anime, animation, video games, sci-fi, you know, commercial, all, all the categories of voice acting were all separate. And as pop culture and comic cons and things started to merge, it used to be I'd go to an anime convention, a sci-fi convention, a, 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 a superhero, you know, comic book convention. They were all separate, and so yeah, you could have Star Trek conventions back in the day. That's where I would go. It's just like it wasn't. Yeah, it's because like because I'm from Oklahoma and it's very small. Nothing comes here, um, so it's like you have this is the Star Trek convention, but it's also all of the conventions because we don't have any. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's the first conventions I went to even before Star Wars came out was like a Star Trek convention. That's what we went to see the, the you know, William Shatner or whoever show up from Star Trek, you know, and uh, it's, it's just come so far, you know, and the fact that I was on the ground level at all of those things combined, and they rise up, they kind of merged into one convention now. So you know, the blessing, you know, the, the silver lining for me is, well, I've got my foot in all those pies. And so I can speak to all those genres in any panel or, you know, I mean, I'm not on every single show, of course, but 
I, I've done a fair amount of like significant uh, roles in all of those categories to be able to, you know, have some experience to share. Um, so uh, kind of, uh, I know we're kind of short on time, but kind of just wrapping up. Um, so you've worked on a lot of very loved franchises. You've worked on Crash Bandicoot, one of my personal favorites, Digimon. Um, you've been in Lupin the Third. So like, what has been some of your um, most memorable like interactions or moments from working on some of these series? So kind of like, if you want to like uh, continue that with like the cons that we were talking about, I thought that would be a good little segue for us as i say that that's a segue and just ruin the fact that we tried to make it a segue <laughs> by, by explaining it so um you know uh yeah i've i really look at it as a blessing quite frankly i look at it like um i was i had the the privilege of being able to audition for all of these different things that you mentioned and then i you know, I brought my own personal uniqueness and my game to it and my contribution to the big picture. Cause I, I look at it like it's all a group effort and there's no, like, even if Dr. Neocortex is the main antagonist of a game, it's everybody, it's everybody involved from the people who are coding it to the director in the booth, to all the other voice actors that are part of it. It makes the tapestry. I get a few big threads in it, but it makes the whole tapestry. So I'm always really grateful that I get to be a part of the whole. Um, that being said, um, I've had, you know, a few really exciting times in my career, you know, um, being cast as Dr. Neocortex was, it is still, I've been doing it 18 years and it's still one of my most favorite jobs to do because I get to come in, I get to bring like a, a sense of comedic timing to the scripts that they provide. They let me improvise almost everything. You know, they have a written script and we do script as written for sure. But they also say, okay, once you read it that way, go ahead and give me a cortex version of it, you know, and then I'll just like riff. And a lot of that stuff makes it into the game and it makes it into the fans' hearts and, and they get a good laugh out of it. I know I do sometimes when I see the finished product too. So that's exciting for me as far as cortex goes. And then there's been some like really like dream come true moments for me as an, as an actor where I'll audition for something, uh, you know, for example, I used to go to the sci-fi conventions dressed as Han Solo and that would be my cosplay. And I would do it with my friends year after year. And so like 25 years fast forward and suddenly I'm in the running to be playing Han Solo for a video game out of 1600 people. And it boils down, boils down, boils down. And then I'm, I get the call, Hey, you're Han Solo on the next uh, rogue squadron three game. And then you're going to be Han Solo in the next battlefront two. And so like I, treat it very calmly and coolly on the phone with the agent. Like, Oh, that's awesome. That's so great. I'm so excited to hear that. Okay. We'll talk soon. I look forward to getting the script click. Oh my God. You know, like running around screaming like a schoolgirl. you know, like just like totally amped and excited. And, you know, so, and, and same with like Batman, when I found out I got to, you know, I'm one of the very few people who've been able to say I'm Batman in the Warner brothers studio on a Warner brothers show that is just like dream come true stuff. It's like, you know, I don't plan on retiring anytime soon, but if I did, I'd be like, you know what? I hit some really good marks. You know, I hit, I got Han Solo, Poe Dameron. I got Dr. Cortex, you know, I've, I've played Batman a few times. It's like, that's what an awesome blessing. You know, like I said, I, I call them blessings, but like just gifts, you know, I, I want to share what I can bring to the team and the team shares the joy of being in it together, you know, so. 
That's awesome. Uh, Lex, this was, this was a lot of fun. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much for, for coming on and chatting with me. You're welcome. We should do a part two sometime. Oh, definitely. And maybe who knows, maybe, you know, we can get that one guy in who we can't say his name anymore because we've already given him his five minutes, but that yeah. other guy, uh, that, that JM dude. Yeah. Uh, maybe. Who knows? JM. JM. Uh, <laughs> That'd be cool. That'd be a lot of fun. Uh, so, uh, Lex, we could uh, talk about famous. Oh, that would be awesome. Because yeah, that, and I, I feel like Famish is one of those ones that, um, like, pandemic hurt it the most. Because it's, oh, like, yeah. it is, it is a show about cons that you play at a con would be fantastic, and then pandemic hits, and then no cons, so we have to release it on streaming. Which, I mean, it, yeah, it, it just hurts because it's so good. Like you all did such a really good job with that. Thanks. Thanks. It was fun playing myself as a fictional character too. I was, was going to ask about that, like you know, maybe a little, maybe next time I'll be like, so what's it like playing yourself, but not playing yourself, but playing yourself? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because I don't have any children, and I had a daughter in the in the movie, and I, I'm married still. I'm not divorced in the movie. I was divorced, not from my wife currently, but from an imaginary wife, and uh, so it was a lot of fun. I, I got to have a good time, and in the movie, I'm I'm not quite as easy to get along with either i'm i'm a little bit uh hot-headed let's put it that way well the um, circumstances of why your character's a bit hot-headed does make a little bit of sense. yeah it makes a lot of sense like, just, a, just a little bit of, you know little, yeah so um but yeah we'll have to do that we'll have to do that next oh that'd be awesome um so lex um anything that you want to plug social medias anything coming out now's your time um let's see what's coming out um i'm uh lex Lex Lang TikTok. That's my TikTok. Uh, at Lex Lang is my Instagram. Uh, at Lex Lang is my Twitter. I don't do a lot of Twitter and Facebook anymore, quite frankly, but Instagram and TikTok I'm on more regularly than the others. Um, in terms of shows that are happening, um, I'm on, I play this alien character on Legends of Tomorrow. It's a, it's a show. Mm -hmm. uh, I play the voice of the Kayla and Gary aliens when they turn into aliens. Um, and uh, anime wise, I have what's coming up anime. Uh, oh, yeah. What's coming up anime is Suguru Geto is the name of the character in Jujutsu Kaisen, the movie, which is a very popular movie. So keep your eyes open for that. And of course, lots of other fun stuff that I can't say yet, but um, I will be posting about it the moment I can. Nice. And we'll put um, all of Je uh, Lex's links in. I almost said Jeff. Jeff, we'll put famous in there too. Don't worry. Oh, yeah. All of all of Lex's uh, social media and everything like that in the show notes. You can click on those, follow him. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Josh L. Kane. Find the podcast on Instagram at What's Up Fandom. On Twitter, What's Up Fandom PC for podcasts. All of the episodes available iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, Google Play, Spotify, Audible, uh, our YouTube. You can check out our video content there. Um, and Lex, thank you again so much for coming on. Oh, you're so welcome. And we really should do a part two and we should get Jeff in and we'll, we'll talk about famish and any other questions we didn't get to today because of that time. Would be, that would be phenomenal. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, so for what's up fandom, I'm Josh. And I'm Lex. That was perfect. Usually it's like a, it's like a, I'm Josh and we wait for like 10 minutes. <laughs> like, oh yeah. And I'm right on that. I appreciate that. All right. You're welcome. Bye, bye everybody. Bye everybody. Such a world.